learning happens when all things come together and what can only be described as perfect chaos. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Perfect Chaos Podcast. It's Rhonda and David. Together we make up the Perfect Chaos team. Perfect Chaos not only represents how we started this, but also who we are. Rhonda is an assistant professor of education at a local university, and I'm a program director and professor at a nearby community college. Our backgrounds are diverse, ranging from sociology, criminal justice, fire and emergency medical services, to emergency management, and together, education. And this comes together to form our perfect chaos. This week is a topic in uh, which a connection of mine posted on his LinkedIn profile. He was asking the question in the realm of emergency medical services, but he asked me in the context of EMS education. I thought it would be a good one to share here as well. The topic is, how do you reward high performers without looking like you're creating an atmosphere of favoritism? I thought that this topic would also be great in the K-12 environment because we've all heard the term teacher's pet in our lives. We'll be right back with this discussion after these messages from our sponsor. We are Rhonda and David, and this is our Perfect Chaos. So as I mentioned, this topic came to me from a friend of mine, and it had absolutely nothing to do with education as he first started it, but he then started posting to a couple of different colleagues of his, and uh, he posted it to me in topics of EMS education. And I really thought he had a really good idea. And, and as this kind of topic festered in my head, it really fit well in the K-12 environment. So he was basically talking about, you know, him possibly or uh, looking at uh, carrying around a notebook. And when he bought cruise lunch or gave something uh, to reward a high performer, uh, you know, it kind of looked at, you know, the crews overall and not wanting to single out any one person. So, so his notebook was like to keep track. So he wasn't rewarding one crew more than another. Uh, possibly, uh, okay. you know, you kind of, kind of looking that a little bit deeper, but yeah, you know, so, so one of the things he was talking about, you know, giving the, uh, giving a crew a cush assignment, you know, uh, a standby gig that may have been extra money or, uh, you know, on the fire side, we we kind of had a the, the chiefs had a notebook uh, or their watch log that they basically went through a list so that they weren't giving one person all the extra work days. Right. Or a special assignment to, to go work a concert or, a, you know, this, that or the other giving overtime and those kind of things. And but we all knew that there were people that they would call if they needed somebody. Right. And everybody knew that person like, oh, you're the chief's favorite. Yes, I knew that person. <laughs> I still know that person. <laughs> I didn't I, I didn't take all of them and but uh but yeah. Uh that you know, so that did happen. So we take a look in the in the classroom, so I don't I think it's fairly easy to say that this is something that could affect even K-12 and higher education as well. Absolutely. Too. I mean, obviously, we're not giving people overtime. We're not doing payroll, you know, that kind of thing. But I don't think there's a teacher out there that hasn't heard from, 
you know, one student that says, I'm your favorite, right? Or another student that says, yeah, I know, so-and-so is going to get it because they're your favorite. You know, as as teachers, we get accused of that all the time. Um, I have been, I've had people tell me, oh, well, so-and-so is your favorite. I'm like, yeah, no, not really. Um, now, I will also be totally transparent. I, I talk about this in my foundations class. All of us are going to have favorites. It's how do we not let anybody else know who our favorites are. There's going to be kids in your class that you just enjoy being around more than others. We are human. That's human nature. So as we talk about this, like I want to be real transparent that, yes, as a teacher, because we are humans, there are students that we may enjoy being around this one more than that one. Uh, just based on uh, shared interests, um, personalities, that kind of thing. But I do think it's important that we're not playing favorites. Let's go with that. And I think you're exactly right that, you know, there, there's going to be those students in there. And, and it's just like in life, you know, when you, you gravitate to a group of people uh, that end up being, you know, friends, on a short term or friend, long term, you know, it, it's it's going to be the same that you've got those like minded individuals, you have those conversations, you know. So it's really difficult to say that you're not going to have those in the classroom as well, because you're going to have those students that seem to be easy. And that's because they understand you and they think exactly like you and so it's it, it kind of just melds and and i i use that as an or use this as an example just from today from one of our other ventures you know me and one other person started out doing the same thing and i kind of described the way that i was doing things and she's like i don't understand that and so there's always going to be that little conflict because the minds kind of work different but if they work together and it's like, oh, this is great, and it's just going to go on. Right. Well, I mean, and I think it's also, it's interesting to me, uh, one of the things that students, when they start talking about who's the favorite, you know, I always think it's interesting to see what what it is they're thinking. Like, what has made them think that that person is the favorite, Right. And it's always the people that I talk to the most, you know, or, well, this one, that person always answers all the questions, so they must be your favorite. You know, when in actuality, as I think back through the years, some of my, quote, favorite students have not been the easy ones. They've been the ones that I had to work harder to get to know, Um you know, the one that has long after I quit teaching him been to our house and, you know, mowed our yard and <laughs> legitimately called me mom <laughs> for a while. You know, he was a hard one to get to know. Um, I always think it's funny. It's like uh, you, you always talk to this person the most. And the one that's saying that is the one that's OK, class is over. And their bags packed, and they're out the door. And they're out the door, right? <laughs> before, before you even, have, you're like, right? I, I, and so I can't even talk to you because you're already out the door. 
And I think I've gone way far. I don't even remember what your original question was. Um, but, we haven't even really gotten to questions Okay, yet, so I'm just so talking. We're just... Uh, Sweet. Uh, so this is one of the things that I will say as far as favorites go. Um, with that thought process of... And, and I, like I said, I, we talk about this in the classes that I teach. So I get to kind of address this this whole thought process behind favorites and, and favorite students. Um, and when they tell me that, I look at them and go, okay. When I, I am a very sarcastic person. I don't think there's anybody in this world that would disagree with that. Um, I was, I am the daughter of a coach. Like I grew up knowing coach, knowing that sports metaphor, I was a band kid, which where I was in band was was rough. Um, I joke all the time. No, nothing scares me because of the band directors that I had, and not that they were just terrifying people. Just it was that same kind of coach mentality a lot. So I tend to be a a picker on people. Um, but to do that, I have to really know my students. I know which students we can joke around with and and um, be sarcastic with, and I know which ones I can't. Because if I said the, the exact same thing to them, they would be just a puddle of tears. Um, you know, so I, I do think when I have this conversation with my students who are future teachers – you know, we go, it comes up every semester, and I always, like, we sit, we we move our chairs and sit in a circle and just have a real frank discussion um, about what that looks like and and how those interactions take place. Um, I'm always, always accused of favoring athletes. Ever since I've been at a school with athletics, that has been the accusation. And I say accusation, it's not like it's a, it's just the things that kids say. They're like, yeah, you love the athletes. And I do. But it's because they speak that same language. They tend to be the students that are a little more outgoing. Um, and they tend to be the ones that, especially as I'm talking to these future teachers, and we're talking about the different ways things look. Sports is the one thing, even people that are not a not huge sports fans, you know, we're in in the South, in East Tennessee. I can compare anything to SEC football. I, any topic, I can explain it that way. So because I know that, because even people that are not, sports fans if you live here you know sec football you don't have to be a fan um so it's just a really good way that i have found that connects with my students and allows me to bring kind of a larger topic down out of this realm that they don't understand well because of that yes the athletes gravitate to me because i speak their language um i can honestly truly say uh this semester, this particular semester, I, it may be the very first time that I can truly say I do not have a favorite student this semester. 
I really am enjoying so many different aspects of all my students and what they're bringing to the table. So let's talk about rewards themselves. And in this post that that I got tagged in, he he used the the terms on the EMS side on those cake assignments or details those those ones where they're not having to transport, they're able to sit 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 aside and wait for something to get done, you know, so a couple hours or even some overtime. Uh, buying lunch for those kind of things. So right. what kind of rewards are we talking about in the K-12 environment? Um, I think, you know, like I said, obviously we're not talking about overtime. <laughs> <laughs> we're not paying um, kids. We're not paying. At least not yet. We're not getting overtime, <laughs> and I don't think any of us are paying out overtime. Um, I think, though, we look at things like, and of course it varies on the different levels, but things like classroom jobs, who gets the fun class, who gets to be the line leader, Versus who has to be the door holder. Um, it's it's those responsibilities, you know, as we get on up into the high school range, who do we send to another person's room with something? Um, that a lot of times can get looked at. Um, but I truly think that the greatest reward we get, I mean, we've got treasure chests in elementary school, we've got opportunities for extra credit we've got bonus opportunity all those things happen but i really truly feel like the best reward we give students is our time and attention so some of that time and attention happens where everybody can see it but a lot of it has to happen behind the scenes um and i think in my mind and in my experience, that's more how I battle, I guess, the thought of, well, so-and-so is your favorite student, you know, um, and it's not, it, it's the, it's a time factor. Um, you know, you have sat and watched me when I was advising doctoral students, every single doctoral student, when they finished their dissertation, I'd write them a card. So that they got their first piece of mail that said Dr. So-and-so on it, right? And I've had several, they didn't know that I was doing that for everybody. I've had several that emailed me back and they were like, oh, I didn't know I was your favorite. It, it's really, it's a time thing. I mean, and we're talking about grown people who are teachers or are principals just by getting a card, you know. So, so I think when we think about that reward per se, yeah, there's a ton of different options for rewards in a classroom but I think the one that at least in my experience seems to matter most is our time and our positive attention so before we even get into the side of the classroom where where rewards show favoritism because I think in a way to eliminate a lot of things or, or a concern of a lot of things, such as creating favoritism. Some people's thoughts are, we just eliminate rewards. And so my question is, is there an opportunity or a need for rewards in the classroom? You know, because rewards are basically considered that external locus, that motivator, extrinsic mo motivator that's designed to get them to the next step. So are they really needed? Yes. I, personal opinion, Yes, I, do. I think they are. Um, part of that comes from, you know, the research that we have on extrinsic rewards and how those can be used 
to help students. The other part of it comes from teaching in a school that had kids from legitimately every middle school in the county that came to our high school. Um, and seeing all of their different experiences, you know, one of the, I used to, I sent notes home to every student's parents. I would mail them every semester. Every kid got at least one good note home. And for some of them, it was the very first good note they'd ever gotten. For others, it was the first one in a long time. You know, by the time we get to high school, there's, there is a lot of focus on that punishment side. Um, and not that I didn't send some bad notes home, too. But the amount of positivity I could get off of those good notes, off of those rewards, um, I had to teach. <laughs> so Tennessee has uh, RTI squared, um, which is response to intervention, and it's done in reading and in math. So my first year teaching was actually before it was mandated across the state. And so I wa went in, I was going to teach criminal justice, dual credit and dual enrollment. And then they said, oh, yeah, and you have to teach developmental reading. And I was like, um, yeah, I don't really know much about that. And they said, well, it doesn't matter because every teacher in Tennessee will be a teacher of reading. That was the saying at the point at that point. Um, and it it pretty much is still true. But so they gave us a program and the program was built on create getting combos and um, I remember combos was the big thing. So I ended up myself and one other teacher were teaching using this program to this particular group of students. And uh, he was he had been teaching for 40 years, you know, and we were both kind of having the same problem. They The kids just were not buying into it. So. I got on Amazon. I don't know. That's not breaking any rules, right, if I tell where I bought it. I got on Amazon, and I ordered a gigantic case of little bags of combos, right, just the, the personal size bag. And he and I split the cost. And so what we did was every day that the students made progress, the other thing we ordered was a gigantic box of Lindor truffles, just an assortment. I mean, in legitimately I ordered it all off of Amazon got it for pretty cheap we split it every day that the students made progress or got the green check mark that they were looking for they got a Lindor truffle every time they got the combo which was what they were supposed to be working towards they got a bag of combos we had been doing this for three months with no traction whatsoever all we did was add in Lindor truffles and combos. It totally turned around that reading program. Um, those kids were all below grade level. Within the first nine weeks, we had gotten them all up. I say we. The reading program had gotten them all up to grade level. We just helped work within that reading program. And when I looked at them and I said, y'all, why did you do so much better this nine weeks than you did the first nine weeks? And they were like, because you gave us food. You know, I, I think there is a lot to that, you know. Yeah, it was hokey and corny. You know, they got combos to go with a combo, right? But A, it was high schoolers, and 
all of my high school teacher friends can attest, high schoolers, if there's anything that will motivate a high schooler, you just got to feed them. You just got <laughs> to have some food. Um, but it worked. You know, that worked for that particular setting. I do think it makes a difference. I think the students, outside of just what we know about rewards and how those help, the students seem to see things like that as, oh, wow, my teacher's really doing something extra. It took me like 45 seconds tops to order those things on Amazon. I am real good at ordering on Amazon, as you well know. <laughs> like I, I can do that in a heartbeat. I oh, think yeah. I ordered something today in 30 seconds. But it didn't. it took no time whatsoever. But the gains we got were huge. And it just... Because we knew we were paying attention to the fact that they weren't motivated. That's all that we did. We just listened. We paid attention to our students. We looked at the time of day that we had that class and decided, hey, let's try some food. So the question uh, would be, is there a way to create a classroom in which you provide rewards without showing favoritism and therefore creating that group of students that are isolated? Yeah, I think there there are, and I'll actually use that that same instance instance um, same setting. Um, you know, we set it up really straightforward about what like what you did to get a reward and what the reward looked like. I think when we're when we're giving a tangible reward having just kind of some set guidelines this is this is what happens when this happens this you get this you know think back to elementary school you know when when your class was good at library you got a token and when you got so many tokens you got a pizza party or an ice cream party or or whatever right i think that's one way um to keep that favoritism from being a thing um, when when you're talking about given rewards, like something that you're actually going to hand a kid. When we're talking about time and attention, it gets a little harder, but I still think it's able to be done. It just requires more out of us. Um, one of the things that I have tried very, very hard to do, because I do know that I connect with those students that you know, engage in class and they like to talk and, you know, they catch me in the hall and ask, we'll talk about the latest UT basketball game, which we're not going to talk about. But, you know, we'll talk about football or whatever. Um, or the band kids that want to come and tell me what they're doing, you know, in in band. Because uh, I speak that language too. Um, so one of the things that I've really tried to do is to pay particular attention to who's not talking in class. And I try to make it a point to check in with them through email. Um, you know, if I see them in the halls, to try to make that personal time, personal connection um, with each of them, regardless of whether they're talking in class or not. Um, now, the ones that talk all the time and, and you know, I'm not sending them emails to say, hey, 
How's it going? How's your semester going? Hope you had a great weekend. They're telling you already. They're already <laughs> telling me. But but those quieter students that sometimes are a little harder to engage with, uh, the ones that do tend to to be the ones that say, oh, she's got favorites and it's so-and-so. Uh, I, I try to make a special effort to, you know, at least once a week, just shoot them an email. That's not, hey, don't forget to turn this in, but just more of a, hey, um, you know, really enjoyed what you had to say in class today. You know, I sent several emails. You know, we took uh, last week off for spring break. That's why we didn't have an episode because we had been on spring break the week before. Not that we went anywhere. Nobody get real excited. Um, <laughs> we worked our little tails off um, doing something different. But so that first Monday that we went back after spring break, I had a list of students that I knew I would never hear from as far as them just coming to say, hey, this is what I did. And I just sent them an email and I was like, hey, hope you had a great spring break. Did you do anything cool? Now, let's be real honest. I'm not doing that because I want to know what they did on spring break. I'm doing that to try to make that connection. So I think we can have those connections without it being seen as favoritism, but it does require some very intentional work on our part as the teacher. And this is one of those that a lot of people are going to say, Hey, you know, I've got this, that, or the other, and I don't have time to do that. But as you, as you've kind of alluded, you know, by taking some of this time and engaging some of those that may be the ones that are saying, well, I'm not going to do this at, because she has these favorites and I, it's not going to matter. This kind of takes that time and kind of switches it around and you're not going to engage as, well, I'm not doing this because you have your favorites. Now it's, well, okay, so I bought in and I have that connection and so I don't have to spend this time kind of defending that. I don't have favorites. Right. And, you know, the, and... <laughs> I don't know. This may be the most controversial thing I ever say to anybody um, about teaching. I don't really have patience for a teacher to tell me they don't have time to connect with a student. That's not really okay in my book. There's a lot of things that we don't have time for. Sending an email to a kid to try to create a relationship. You know, I, now I may get flamed. Y'all flame away uh, if you disagree with me. Um, I'll take it. I'm a big girl. It's just my personal opinion, but I feel like there's a ton of things that we can, we could drop to make time to try to build those relationships with the students. Um, but that also goes back to my, when I ask you what you teach, your answer needs to be, I teach kids, not I teach EMS. No, baby, you don't. You teach kids about EMS. Right. Um, so that's, I mean, that's kind of a and we all know soapbox that, for me. So, But we all, we all know that that buy-in from the student saves us time. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, if we have a group, and we'll just say a group of 20 kids in a classroom. Saves us time and grief. Right. Like, exactly. We have 20 kids in a class, and more than half of them, don't have that buy-in and we've we both use this it's kids they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care right and so in that same environment 
uh, taking that just out of that little anecdote there, it's those 10 that don't have any buy-in are going to be the ones that are talking, passing notes. They're right. trying to speak over you They're you know, or try to prove you wrong. Or, and you spend more time getting them to stop doing whatever it is they're doing and getting them to be in the class when if we would have just bought, you know, worked into getting them to buy in by showing them you care, you don't have to fight with them in those other environments. Right. So in this, rewards are good. Do you track them? You know, so so his kind of thing was in that post that he has a notebook and he kind of tries to share it. And his point was, you don't track how much, but they are. So do you kind of right. lay that out? Now, it's really hard to say, you know, I spent 1.5 hours in this right. study um, as they come to my office and had this conversation. But I don't know that. Well, and again, I think it's a difference between whether we're talking about a tangible reward that you like. I mean, here's my thing. If you have set up a reward system, yeah, you should probably be looking to make sure that, you know, it's not set up in a way that's biased. But in general, I don't spend a whole lot of time tracking that kind of thing. The combos thing, I didn't track who got the most combos. Um, now, not for that. I tracked it, but I tracked it on the, because that was what they were supposed to be doing, you know, as a data point. Um, as far as the the time, um, the the reaching out to build those relationships, I'm going to go with a yes and no on whether I track. Um, now, I, maybe more than most people, keep all communication with students. So if, you know, especially when I taught high school, if I had a conversation with a parent on the phone, I sent a follow-up email of, hey, just making sure we're both on the same page. This is what we talked about. It was great to talk to you. And then I printed that out and I kept it in a, in a file on each student. If I sent a note home... I photocopied it and kept it in a file. Um, part of that was just the criminal justice in me, right? Like, just like in your in EMS, we document everything, you know. And so that just kind of came second nature to me because of what I was teaching. Um, the other part was I did use it every once in a while. I would go through and look and make sure that I had not skipped anybody sending cards out you know things like that um the cards that i send to doctoral students yeah i track those so that i can make sure that i don't skip people um but as far as i'm not tracking like minutes no i'm tracking more to make sure that i'm connecting with everybody and so ultimately with Rewards, I think we're both in lockstep there in that rewards are a good thing. Whether they're, again, in the K-12, you know, a lot of times uh, a longer conversation is not going to hit a, a three-year-old the same way it may be a, a 9, 10, 11-year-old. Right. Uh, but whereas a, a tangible uh, gift may be a little bit different. But rewards are, are going to be a beneficial thing. Uh, and that engagement with the student is going to be uh, very beneficial uh, so definitely want to thank Michael for 
tagging me in that post. Yeah, thanks, and, Michael. And giving us an opportunity to discuss this. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna uh, tag my comment to him. It will be a link to this episode uh, just to let, let him know it, it, a little bit more than just a, uh, uh, a link. So our tips for the week. Um, tip for the week. I'm so tired. <laughs> I don't know why I'm more tired after a break than less than I was before I started. Um, so my tip this week is somewhat a tip, somewhat maybe the things that I've said before. Um, and I am know that I am telling you all to do this and also trying to tell myself to do this. But we got to make sure we're getting some rest. We have hit that point in the semester for higher ed where it's we are on that slow slog to get to to, to graduation in May. Um, lots of grading, lots of sports, especially this semester. It seems like we've got more sports because we didn't have them last semester, some of us. So, I mean, football in the spring and it's not being this past. I will say this. This past Saturday, every single sport at my university was scheduled to play. Every single sport had had an activity. Got to be fun with the social media. Some of them were home. Some of them (laughs) were away. You know, the swimmers are at championships, whatever. But every single sport. So um, it is easy for us as teachers to get. Um, in the weeds, I guess, at this point. This this is that point that we kind of start getting in the weeds. Uh, make sure that you are taking care of yourself, even if it's just 15 minutes a day of, I'm not going to sit at my desk and eat lunch. This is when some of those things that we talked about when we very first started this podcast and, and building that work-life balance, it's going to look a little different right now, but don't forget to take that time for yourself. And hitting uh, spring, you know, weather starting to look a little bit better, even though you were talking about wanting snow back, uh, I think, earlier today, yesterday. I can't remember when that was. I did not say anything about you, wanting you snow. Said, you said snow's returning. and No, no, no. <laughs> I said the weather app on my phone said snow was returning. All, all I heard is you were talking about snow is returning. You were happy. No, no. No, I do not want snow. I want to go sit outside. Y'all, go get some sunshine. Vitamin D is good for the soul. All right. As we conclude today, we'd like to say that we always look forward to recording these episodes and engaging with each one of you. However, without your feedback, we do not know what you're thinking. So please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. You can also find out all about Rhonda and myself at the Perfect Chaos website at www.perfect-chaos.org. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at PerfectChaos7. Instagram at Perfect Chaos 7 and on Facebook at A Perfect Chaos number 7. You can also find us personally on Twitter at. Mine is at DRR Blevins. And mine is at DS Blev. If you're following us on Anchor, you can uh, hit the message button and send us a voice message. We would love to include those messages in our future podcasts. Lastly, we have also opened up the listener support tab on Anchor. If you feel led, you can support the podcast with a small donation that will be used to expand our podcast capabilities. Until next week, remain calm in your perfect chaos.